Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Seven Figure Music School podcast. Today, we are doing something that we haven't done since last year, and that is our five for five format. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we like to bring on school owners that are doing something interesting or unique, or I just think have an interesting story to tell. And we kind of interview them in this format where we ask the same five questions of every owner that comes on. So the last few folks that we've had on have been Vera, who has the school outside of Columbus, Ohio. We talked to Caitlin Davidson, who has a really interesting musical course that she's selling to adult students and doing really, really well with that. We had Brian King on last year. But for our first Five for Five episode of 2024, we actually wanted to bring on someone who I know a bit better, not necessarily because I've worked with them in a coaching capacity, which is a lot of the people we brought on, I've worked with them in a coaching capacity. But I wanted to bring on Adam, who... Um, I have kind of partnered with over the last couple of years around the uh, SEO space. Adam actually does SEO for a couple of businesses of mine, and I've had a great working relationship with him over the last couple of years. But not only do we have Adam on, Erica, who actually runs PPI, Philadelphia Piano Institute, the school that they run, is also here with us, and they're going to talk and answer the five for five questions uh, about their school. So Adam and Erica, I'm really excited that you all are here. Hey, thanks for having us. Welcome, guys. Welcome, guys. So happy to see you. Thank you for yeah. joining us. So I'm just going to jump into the first question. And Adam, Erica, I don't know exactly how you want to answer this. But uh, if you have separate answers for this question, I'd love to hear those. If you have one kind of combined answer where you both kind of see eye to eye on the question, happy to do that too. This is a little bit of a, of a change. We've never had two folks on for five for five. But since you all are running the school together, um, we'll, we'll, we'll play it by ear. So question number one. What are you most proud of? Something that you feel you do really, really well at your school? Why don't you take this one first? Okay. Yeah, because I feel like I kind of go hand in hand. But um, I would say hiring is probably the thing I'm most proud of. And that's definitely unique to this past year because that was not the case when we first started out. I mean, we've had a great team of teachers since the beginning, but it was a real struggle to hire. Um, so that just was like a lot of pain for me, <laughs> but you know, when we did find someone, it was a thrill. Um, but as of this last year, we've actually, um, had many people come our way, which was really encouraging. Um, and basically what I'm just really proud of is like the team that we have is so like-minded, um, for mm. backstory, the Institute grew out of my home studio. I was teaching piano lessons for years and um, my philosophy was, I mean, very straightforward and people in my neighborhood uh, really wanted it and they wanted more people than I could take on wanted it. So that's why PPI uh, was created. So that was really important to find, you know, like-minded teachers who shared the same teaching philosophy and just like general philosophy of music. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm most proud of that. And I, also kind of want to, <laughs> I need to give credit to um, the podcast here because there's actually an episode here that gave us the idea. Yeah, I forget now which episode it was, but it was something where, uh, I don't remember now who mentioned it. Sorry, I should have looked that up. But um, something about how messaging for students is really important, but messaging for your ideal teacher is really important. So I took that to Adam and I was like, hey, I think we need a landing page for our like ideal teacher, like, you know, like a career page or something. I don't have that. That's Adam's side of the business. So I just kind of give him the ideas. I'm like, do you think that sounds good? So that was something where he was like, 
Yeah. So he created that. And once that was live, that was making a difference um, with the people that were coming, you know, visiting our site, uh, you know, contacting us, but then also just, it was, it was beneficial for both parties. I feel like we weren't wasting anyone else's time either. And I feel like that was the biggest thing. Mm. So Mm. that's kind of, I feel like that's what I'm most proud of. Interesting. And I think that is kind of a cool segue into Adam. I think you had mentioned that, uh, or what Erica just said there was that it kind of dovetails with what your instinct was on how to answer this question. I'm curious what your instinct was there of what you're most proud of. One of the things I'm most proud of is certainly our lead generation. You know, we, I don't have an exact number, but I think last month was something like 80 to 90 leads, all very densely close to us, which is cool. You know, it's a lot, Um, but we also get leads from teachers and it's because we just did the same thing. I just did SEO around hiring. (laughs) <laughs> because mm. I quickly realized that ZipRecruiter sucks. Indeed sucks. <laughs> we don't get referrals. Like, it, like yeah. there's no good way to do it. And um, so I just did SEO around people looking for piano teaching jobs. So we were getting mm. leads, but they weren't all any good. Um, and so then we already had these landing pages, right? And there's all kinds of little technical details about what you have to do for that. Then Erica said, hey, I listened to this podcast. I think you know Daniel. I was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, can we can we revise the messaging? And I was like, oh, I don't need yeah, something yeah. else to do. But um, we did, and it worked. So <laughs> now we get very, cool. very highly qualified applicants, mm-hmm. which is something we would never take for granted. We're extremely grateful for it. Because yeah. th- these are people who want to work with us. And... To me, it's like, wow, I'm flattered, you know, that you would want to be involved with what we're doing in Philadelphia. And the fact that we feel that way when we get these applications, I think, means that the strategy worked. People that are very qualified, they're not just teachers, they're actually pianists at a professional level, which is, you know, generally what we're looking for. And um, all of the branding and the messaging on the careers page and the website as a whole helps these people feel welcomed in our studio because they feel like they're going to be artistically valued you know, they're not just going to show up and do their job and nobody cares that they're an artist. You know, we deeply care. We give them the best pianos we can afford, great rooms. All of this stuff works together mm-hmm. to make it a good space for a very ideal teaching fit for our business. One thing that is really challenging you in your operational role at the Institute, something. Hi, yeah. yeah. Finding the right administrative hire. <laughs> And Erica's going to talk about this more, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But it's hard. It's like, hmm, do I want to get paid more or do I just want to hire someone and not have to do all this stuff? And this is mostly Erica's. But we're really right. trying to figure out when to enter the black hole of hiring again. We're not scaling this year. Like, we we, we have two storefronts. That's enough capital down the toilet. Um, you know, hiring is down to an, a steady crawl. We don't have to buy new pianos. But now it's like, do we make that like big salary higher? Mm-hmm. And I'll let Erica take it. <laughs> mm, I mean, nice. Yeah, like that's that's definitely the biggest challenge right now is just knowing how to create the position. And then this kind of goes hand in hand with pricing, right? Because like that's definitely like what's a competitive salary, what's what is expected of someone in this position. And like I was just a piano teacher years ago. So like I'm doing all this for like learning firsthand. So definitely just trying to create an administrative position so that I can, you know, handle more of 
chatting with um, the instructors because my background is all in pedagogy. And so that's what I'm really passionate about. And I would love to be able to work, you know, side by side with teachers as opposed to doing all the customer service, which is great and all on the business owner. I get to do that, but (laughs) we're, we're getting to that point where we're going to have to kind of like, you know, jump off the deep end. It feels like, and it's kind of like, Oh, when do we do that? So that's our biggest challenge is knowing when knowing how, and just, you know, creating that position so that it's attractive and it's actually correct. And it's just the smoothest transition for everybody involved. Can I ask some specifics for our listeners? What's your student count right now? Two locations, by the way, congratulations. Going from one to two, that's a leap. But how many students do you have right now, or enrollments rather? We have 130 active students, and that's how we count them because we've got some students who are not taking weekly lessons. That's so they'll just yeah. Yeah. So weekly lessons that yeah, 130. Great. And now you're feeling that pressure because just to reframe what you said, you're like, here's where I'm most engaged and most valuable to my community. So how can we take some of these things off our plate? By the way, we're doing annual planning right now. And one of the questions to the leadership team at Brooklyn Music Factory is, list five things right now that you would delegate if you could. Right? I feel like that's like your mindset right now, Erica. You're like, I'm ready to delegate. So that leads me to my follow-up question, my remaining minute and 30 seconds we have in this five. What are the five things you delegate right now? Definitely um registration inputting students information into um our filing um intake um events organization Mm. um just general customer service and invoicing (laughs) Invoicing and invoicing i love it okay so (laughs) i heard you say essentially sales right intake, i.e. taking that initial lead and doing something with it because you're getting 80 to 90. So clearly Adam is doing his job. (laughs) So you have a corporate dynamic here. Sales (laughs) and marketing are fighting with each other. Yeah, totally. That friction is so normal, actually, (laughs) it turns out, even in a music school. Um, But I hear sales. Then I also hear just once you've converted that person, getting them into the system so they can actually successfully show up to a lesson. And then I also hear um, FAQs, that yes. the email inbox just gets flooded with those. And then finally, I heard billing. Uh-huh. I just like essentially receivables, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Love it. That's a great starting list. Um, I think we're out of time on this question. So Daniel, I'm pinging it back to you. Five for five. What do we got next? So and again, however you all want to answer this, whatever order, what's one lesson you've learned in the last year or a big lesson you've learned in the last year? I'll do mine real quick because it's easy. Uh, Reviews matter more than people give them credit for. And I get questions from people in my community all the time about why am I not getting more leads from families with kids? I'm like, well, you don't have any reviews and there's not a mother in the world who's going to send their kid to your studio. if You don't have any reviews. So that's all I will say about that on Erica. Amen to that, Adam. I love that. <laughs> well, for me, it's been to conserve emotional energy. And that sounds kind of like, oh, what do you mean? But I've been doing a lot of customer service, which has been a lot of just answering the general questions day to day. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I don't blame them, but they come with frustrations. <laughs> so um, me having mostly a teacher heart, 
I was trying to be very empathetic with people and very understanding, trying to be very reasonable. Mm. And then I realized that my quality of life was plummeting and I didn't know why. Until finally, Adam was actually like, I mean, you should just not spend too much time on any one question. <laughs> I was getting anxiety before I would even open an email. Cause I was like, oh, I already know what this person's gonna say, or I'm assuming, and like, I would make all these assumptions. So I had to personally learn, all right, it's just black and white. Just open the email, read it. Almost don't care who the name is or where it's coming from. Just make sure I'm, you know, addressing the person correctly. I'm giving them accurate information <laughs> and then I just sign out and that's it and move on. Like that has been probably whew, the biggest lesson learned for me. And that's made a big difference with my efficiency as far as like getting stuff done. How have you... It's one thing to say conserve emotional energy. How have you practically gone about doing that? Is there something that you've put into your daily routine or, or how, how have you done it? Definitely, I had to create mental space um, and then figure out how I was going to create the physical space. Um, so I definitely had to create, I had to block out particular hours because that, okay, my the thing I do love about this job is it's so flexible. I don't have appointments necessarily unless I create the appointments. So that was another thing. I had to then create my appointments. <laughs> it wasn't just like this ongoing thing all day. Like, okay, so I'm going to work for X amount of time and I'm just going to go knock out these emails like they're tasks. Also, I finally got a planner that makes sense. <laughs> I've tried all sorts of kinds and I found one online and it works for me. And it just has short to-do lists per day. It's like organized in a way that makes sense visually for me. And I just had to create a habit of opening that planner every day. And that was the first thing I do. I write down any phone call appointments that people wanted. So I schedule those out for the day. So it's like first thing. So it's kind of been, a, I had to work on the mental space and then I put it visually on a piece of paper in my planner. So that it, that was the physical space. Mm. <laughs> I love those hot tips because they they segue beautifully to our next question. What is the one action that you would encourage our listeners to take right now if they were to take nothing else away from this episode? What's the one action? Adam, go. You got to fist up, dude. What do you got? Get more reviews. I, I, I love that. Adam, you'll appreciate that that was literally one of our three priorities in 2023 was to get more Google reviews. And here you are saying it, and I underlined it like, hallelujah, we did at least one thing right at BMF. <laughs> okay, get more reviews. Is there an action someone can take right now to get more reviews? Yes, send some emails. Go to your Google business profile, which presumably someone has, and if they don't, email me or Daniel. Um, that go to, if you're signed in, you can copy the quick link to send to somebody. There's like a little, it, it's not yes. a very long URL. Just copy the little link, put an email, say, hey, you've been with us for a year. We love that. Can you please leave your teacher a review? You can also put it on the teacher. If you're not the one teaching them, say, would you leave, leave you know, John a review? And it makes it a little more personal. And they will. And then you respond to that review on Google. And then this happens. And you'll rank better in search. You'll have a better yeah. conversion rate. You can make little image tiles and put it on a testimonials page on your website. You can do whatever you want, but you got to get them, you know, and just start with people who haven't left you a review yet. You can also do incentives. Like if you have a trial lesson program, let someone have another discounted lesson if they leave you a review or something that you probably don't want to do like that, you know, but like 
come up with something creative just to get 10 or 15 reviews in the door. Uh, you got to have them. Love that. That's very actionable, very doable. Uh, what do you got, Erica? <laughs> well, mine definitely comes from the customer service side. It kind of yeah. goes hand in hand with my previous answer, but communicate positively, meaning if you can say something without using the word don't or not, say it that way. <laughs> because that, hmm. for me, just made a huge difference with um, how effectively things were done and how efficiently things were done. So for me, coming from the administrative side of things, um, that just made a really big difference. And um, frankly, I kind of like talking about like that way better. <laughs> kind of in, in a better mood mm. when I avoid using negative words. And then they have a lot more impact when you do use them. But for instance, a lot of people just come with you questions about the policy. And it's like, you already have the policy. You signed it when you started the lessons. <laughs> so it's like, it's something as simple as saying like, you know, they're asking a question about the makeup policy instead of me saying, no, we don't do X. It's like, I just reiterate it in the same uh, language or I just, you know, say it plainly positively and that's it. And I just don't defend myself and don't use the, you know, negative terminology. And usually that's just fine. And no one's angry and they just have their answer. What's one thing you've done for yourself personally in the past year that has brought you more joy as an owner? Something that I wanted us to do for a while, which we finally started doing, is doing small group meetings for our students. Um, and this is something that I personally wanted because a lot of the people at the Institute kind of want a community. We have a lot of adults and they're doing something to make their life a little more fulfilled and rich, right? But also our teachers who want to feel appreciated, but also spend time with students who appreciate their expertise outside of a formal hour-long lesson. So now we have, you know, groups of four to five students meeting um, with their teacher or a different teacher uh, throughout the year in fun little informal performance sharing master classes. And that was something that I really wanted to see happen because it's in line with my mission. And it's cool to see the teachers and students getting a lot of joy out of it. It's not ever going to make you a lot of money or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And if we charged a lot, people wouldn't do it. It's more like I really just want the community to grow because the overall health of the business will be stronger, the teachers will be happier, and the students will make friends. The vocalists like it a lot more than the pianists, and that's always going to be the case. <laughs> but um, that's that was more for me than it was for anybody else. <laughs> and it, it makes me happy to see it happening and coming together. Wow. Yeah. That, that had something to do with our hires, too, because um, they, they definitely help make it happen. You know, I definitely was the one that was like, we can do all these things. Right. But the way that our system is set up, um, it kind of does, there's some responsibility that does fall on the instructor. We call them instructors of teachers, um, to put some of it together. Right. Cause they're the ones who's going to conduct it. I'm not going to be there. So, <laughs> so that has helped a lot, you know, but yeah, that's been a very cool part. Oh, uh, <laughs> Reminding myself of my long-term goals because I, when I first jumped into running a business, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was just like this dream state I was in <laughs> and sure. I wasn't prepared for reality to hit. So then when it did, it just, I just felt like I was like, you know, trudging through mud and I just wasn't enjoying anything anymore and I wasn't feeling creative and, you know, I just was kind of like losing sight. And so actually you know, at some point, then it kind of did just kind of turn into 
just going through the motions, which was fine and all until actually kind of recently it dawned on me where I was like, I need to like, probably I haven't done this yet, but it first just popped to mind. I need to remind myself of my long-term goals. Why did I even start this business? Like, where did it come from? Where is it going? Why is it still here? You know, just answering all these questions, very like philosophical questions, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, just keeping that mind frame all the time. Um, because when I have those answers, then it's re-inspiring. It's like, oh, okay, now I have more direction again, you know? So, you know, um, Erica, that reminds me of your planner comment. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I use this, uh, full focus planner that's by this dude, Michael Hyatt, which probably many of our listeners are aware of now. Um, but one of the features that he has in there that I love is exactly what you're describing. It's like in the front, I have my goals and my uh -huh. long-term goals. And then each week I just take a quick peek at them and I'm like, is Brooklyn Music Factory in service to these goals? And like for me personally, one of them is I go on these long silent retreats. And so I'm like, is BMF actually systemized and operational in such a way, whoops, operational in such a way that I can actually be off the grid for five days? Because uh -huh. if it's not, that ain't working for Nate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I've learned that's so important that like, yes. it's, I serve the business that so serves me. Like that's, yes. that's why it started. <laughs> well, and that's what the business 100%. wants too. It's like your community of families. I remember the first time, for example, Erica, that I went on a retreat and I was nervous that my students or the parents would somehow be like, wait, you're missing our lesson this week. No, in fact, the mom, one of these moms, Sarah, came to me and she's like, I just did my first silent retreat. And I was like, what? Oh. You're also, you know, and it was just like, I was yeah. like, oh, that's what community actually means is that everybody is hoping that it's mutually beneficial. We're going to have Adam and Erica back on in a future episode, actually just a few weeks out from right now. And they have some interesting things to share about how they're running Philadelphia Piano Institute. So, Adam, Erica, thanks for being on. And we're looking forward to the second episode that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks, guys. Definitely. Thank you. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now... I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.